All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into that moment of spirit-filled praise and worship. And thank you to everybody who's joining us online here this morning at Walk Church. Come on in person. Let's let the online family know that we are glad that they are here, logging in, worshiping. Uh, we're on real time together. We are all in church together, whether you're in your home or whether you're right here in the Walk Warehouse, we value and honor each and every one of you and are so glad that you were able to join us here today. I think this is a very important season to be in church, whether you're online or in person. It's, it's necessary to be in the Lord's house, amen? Amen. So I'm glad that you made the decision to worship with us here today, and, and it really is my prayer. It's the prayer of our Walk Church staff and team that God would speak to you here today, that he would honor your decision to show up in this space, and that you would have a heart that is soft, a heart that is moldable. All of us are, are like clay in these jars, and we need, we need the Holy Spirit to mold us, amen? So even right now, I'm just going to jump into a moment of prayer and ask the Lord to soften your heart that you would be able to be impressed by his spirit, that you would be able to hear his voice, his soft, still whisper in this place today. So would you pray with me? Father, we ask you right now in Jesus' name for a word from your word. And God, what I just heard you saying as we were singing, God, I could just sense the Holy Spirit saying, yes, will you meet me here again? The Holy Spirit saying, yes. Will you speak to us again? Yes. Will you forgive us again? Yes. Will you show up, God, even when we forget to? Yes. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place, and God, soften our hearts. Give us ears that hear. Give us hearts that are receptive to your words this morning. And God, ultimately, we pray that you would get the glory in our lives, and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, we've been in this series titled uh, The God of More. We are getting to know the God of more each and every week, and I hope we're getting to know the God of more more, right? And God wants us to continue to get to know him more. We'll never fully know him, at least as much as we'll be able to do in, in, in heaven one day. And so while we're here, the closest we can get is in his word, in his body, in his house. And so we're getting to know the God of more, and what we've been talking about is how God wants, and I really believe, key word there, wants, God wants to do more in our nation, amen? Come on, if you believe that, just clap with me right now. God wants to do more in our country. He, he wants to do more in me, he wants to do more in you, he wants to do more in this church, he wants to do more in Las Vegas, and friends, I really believe he wants to do more in America. He does. He has not forsaken or abandoned this country. I believe he wants to do more in this country. And so what we've been doing is we've been surveying the Bible as to clues of what it would look like to activate God's more here in this nation. And so we, we've, been, we've been springboarding from a verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. If not, look at it on the screen with me. 2 Chronicles 7 Verse 14, let's all read it together. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. I've been starting with this disclaimer on these past couple sermons that this was a specific verse written to a specific group of people in a specific time frame, in a specific location. Yet, as you also study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the bookends, you'll find that there's three key applications out of 2 Chronicles 7 that if we still do them today, if we did them yesterday, if we do them tomorrow, it activates God's presence, it activates God's hand, and so that's what we're saying, okay, God's going to do more in our nation, but these are some things that are going to trigger God's activity. Does that make sense? Here's the three, okay, well, I'll give you the first two if you just are a first time joining us, you missed the past couple weeks, you can catch those at walkchurch.com, but we talked about humble people. God wants to do more through humble people. We went from there and says, okay, God wants to do not only more through humble people, but God wants to do more through praying people, seeking people, people that are hungry for God, people that are praying people. And I loved how last week we made this announcement that in 2021, we're going to be praying people. Not, not only 2021, let's start now, amen, right? But, but in 2021, we're moving not just to a once a month prayer meeting, but to a weekly prayer meeting. And we really believe that God is going to do more through his body. It says, if the church, a strong if statement, God's saying, if, it, if it'll happen, you'll see it. If my people will humble themselves, we got to say, say less of me, more of him. I'm going to humble myself. It's not all about me. I'm going to start praying and making this a regular pattern in my life. I'm not going to schedule God. He is the schedule, right? And he's going he's gonna to invade my life, pray without ceasing. Those were the two, but let me give you the third point here today. God wants to do more in our nation through humble people. God wants to do more in our nation through praying people. And this third one, God wants to do more in our nation through repentant people. Through repentant people. I find it interesting that in the past couple weeks when I said the, the statement, I got an amen, but not on this one. <laughs> we were like, oh, Dang. There was just like, just, maybe there was just more, more of like a little moan. It wasn't like an amen. Yeah, that's the point I was looking for. But that's the point that maybe we don't want to hear, but friends, that we need to hear. God wants to do more in our nation through humble people, through praying people, through repentant people. Look back at that verse with me, 2 Chronicles 7. It says, and say that word with me. Turn. Come on, say turn. One more time. Turn. And turn from their wicked ways. It would be wrong of us to stop and read this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. That is not where the verse stops. The verse continues and says that there's an, an application for us today. There's a turning point for us today where we look at our sin, we look at our wicked ways, we do an examination of our lives and our house and our in our home, in our church, in our city, in our nation, and we say, okay, there's wickedness in me that I have to turn from in order to allow God to do more in me. And I really believe as a nation, if our nation were to say, okay, we're going to turn from our wicked ways, we're going to repent, we're going to experience God's more. But I've realized that it has to start with me, Right? That these messages can't just, just launch from here and we just cross our fingers and hope that it works. But it has to start with us. 
So I want to give us a brief treatment of the subject of repentance biblically and then allow some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just to ask the question, what do I need to repent of? What do I need to turn from? I love that language, turn, right there, because I think it's an a, a undervalued phrase in the church that we need to get back to. Uh, I would imagine that if I just did a survey of everybody that's here in person or online, I said, give me your definition of repentance, we would hear a variety of different definitions. Like, for example, let me give you the Oxford Pocket Dictionary, the, the English translation of the word repentance. Sincere regret or remorse. That most dictionaries define repentance as an emotion of regret, an emotion of Remorse. I feel bad about my sin. I feel convicted about my sin. And I think that there's remorse and regret that are, are symptoms of repentance, but that's not all of what repentance is. Amen? I, I love the biblical definition. It's better. It's more useful. That's why the original language matters. That's why it's good to get some Bibles and online resources that not only tell you what the English word means, but the Greek word and the Hebrew word and the occasional Aramaic word as the Bible was not written in English. Y'all do know that, right? Right? This, this, this word was written and it's still relevant for us today and it's still reliable for us today and it's still very real for us today and I think we get the fullness of it. Sometimes we, we, we need to go back to the original language. I wanted to make sure we did that. The Greek word repentance is the word matineo, and the definition is simply this, a change of mind. So it's not just merely regret or remorse, but it's this turning, it's this changing, it's this, my mind once thought this way, but now it's changing, it's going into a different direction. And I really believe you, you do what you think. The proverb says, you are who you think you are, right? And so when we start to change our mind and change the way we think, we start to change the way we live, which changes the way we walk, which changes the way we talk, which leads us to a place of repentance. And that, my friend, is where we need to get to. We need to get to this place where we're repenting often. I think I, I know for me personally, I had the wrong view of biblical repentance for a few years in my Christianity. When I first got saved and I heard the word repent, I thought this was a one-time decision that you do and then you just begin to feel remorse or regret about things you do wrong and then hopefully you ask for forgiveness and one day you'll do better. But what I recognized, the more I read the Bible and the closer I got to Jesus, is that repentance is less a one-time thing, it's more of a lifestyle thing. The, the title of my message today is Lifestyle Repentance. Lifestyle Repentance. In fact, I was so motivated by this word today that I made wristbands that just say Lifestyle Repentance. Amen? So some of y'all are like, I don't want that one. Right? I, I need, I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to wear one on each wrist. Right? It says, write the word on your heart. Right? It says, uh, Write the word on your mind. I need little reminders of lifestyle repentance. That repentance is less a one-time decision. It's more of a lifestyle. Friends, hear me on this. Every day, we should wake up, thank the Lord, and ask him, Lord, what do I need to repent of today? What if we went throughout our lives like that? 
God would begin to show us different things. Hey, this is something I want you to repent of today. Instead of just being a one-time decision, what if this became an everyday thing for us in our church, which spilled into our city, which spilled into our nation, and now all of a sudden we're seeing our nation change its mind and turn back to God and turn away from sin. This has been the pattern of God. As you look throughout the earliest days in the Bible, you see sinful people turning from their sin and turning back to him. This 180 approach. It, repentance is not a 360. Y'all hear me? This is what 360 repentance would look like. It would look like this. I'm sinning. I'm, t- I'm walking in it. Let me go ahead and turn from it and turn right back to it. That's 360, all right? A 180 is this. I'm walking in sin. I'm going this way, and I'm going to turn from it, and I'm going to walk different. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my thinking. Right? This may sound elementary, but this is the message that if we can unlock, is going to change everything. And I love how it's third because we can't do it unless we humble ourselves. We can't do it unless we start praying. We can't do it unless our prayers change from, Lord, bless me, to, Lord, help me repent. It can't just only be, Lord, bless me. It needs to be, Lord, change me. Lord, Lord, change my heart because I need to repent. As you look at the different prophetic books in the Bible, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Daniel, you look at Amos, you look at Zephaniah, you look at Zechariah, all these minor prophets because they're these smaller books in the Bible, they always have the same message. Do you know what it is? Come on, say it loud. One more time. They show up on the same. Jonah. Jonah, I got a word for you, says God. I want you to go to this city called Nineveh, and I want you to show up, stand on some type of platform, and I want you to preach, repent. Jonah says, nah. I'm not, I saw one of those memes recently, Nina showed it to me, it made me laugh. It said, um, Jonah, can you go to Nineveh already so that 2020 can be over? <laughs> that, who, who, needs to, who needs to go do something, right? Um, it's us, it's America. We're called to repent. And Jonah says, no, I'm not going to do it, you get swallowed by the fish. He says, okay, I'm going to repent, I'm going to be obedient to God. And then he goes to Nineveh, he says, repent, and the whole city falls on their face. It's not a complicated message. It is a difficult message to live. But friends, it's simple in the sense that if we could just repent, we would experience God's more. We see this in all the minor prophets and the major prophets. I love when King Solomon comes into place in 1 Kings chapter 8. We see the first prayer of repentance. 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon, his dad is David. David had all types of sin in his life. He needed to repent. Solomon comes into play. He has all types of sin in his life. He needs to repent. And I love how in 1 Kings 8, Solomon says, God, what if I got this idea? Because they were struggling. The people in Israel were were lacking in so many areas. And then Solomon says, God, what if we all just chose to repent? What an idea. 
What if we all just said, you know, we're going to turn away from sin, turn to him, away from sin, to him, away from sin, to him. God says, that's going to activate. And you see it in the book of First and Second Kings. And you see Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, leave off in chapter 3. If the people of God would turn from their sins and turn back to him. And this was specific in the place of tithing. Malachi says, you are robbing God. What if you turned from your robbery and begin to honor and trust God with your finances? Would God not then open up the windows? The same language in First and Second Chronicles is then used in Malachi. If my people would turn from their gluttony and their pride and their sexual sin and their lust and their idolatry of stuff and turn back to God, he'll show up. And guess what happens after Malachi? Does anybody know what happens after Malachi? Silence. 400 years of silence from God. Nothing. No prophets. No angelic visitations. No radical moves, just Silence until one day, 400 years later, we find this radical, bug-eating, very interestingly dressed man named John the Baptist show up in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, he, he shows up and says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. How about... John the Baptist picks up right where the Old Testament leaves off and says, hey, just here's what we're called to do, church. And this is why I love lifestyle repentance as a phrase, because John says, fruit will begin to pop off of your life. You'll be actually useful if you can just keep repenting. The, the danger for so many is that you just stop repenting. You get so numb to the Holy Spirit's conviction that you just stop repenting. My biggest fear for my life is that one day I would stop repenting. My biggest fear for our church is that our church would just say, you know what, we're actually cool with sin. We'll just stop repenting. But if we can bear fruit by keeping with repentance, we're going to experience more of God. We might not be the most popular church, but I promise you we'll, we'll be a powerful church. I'll take powerful over popular any day, amen? Y'all with me on that? I would rather have a powerful marriage than uh, a popular marriage. I'd rather have a powerful family than a popular family. I'd rather have a powerful church. I, I don't want to just have a very cool-looking, decked-out, shiny, sparkling car that doesn't have no engine under the hood. Like, man, check out my car. At some point, you're going to be like, let's take it for a drive. Oh, man, don't go nowhere. That's <laughs> not, not like it works. Come on. That's a lot of churches. These things are powerful, sparkling, beautiful, no power. I would rather have an old, busted, janky, old Pinto, <laughs> Pinto, George. 
but power under the hood, amen, that can go somewhere, take me somewhere. I've found that the power is in the repentance. People don't repent because they don't humble themselves and they don't pray. Here's what happens. When you humble yourself and you pray, God whispers, repent. It's when we're able to hear that and listen that we go, oh, snap, I'm walking the wrong way. i got to turn. And, and I love the faith factor that it takes to turn. What happens? I don't know what will happen if I, I recently had a conversation with someone. They said, I don't know what will happen if I really start tithing. Well, isn't that the faith factor? Isn't that when you start positioning yourself for a miracle where God has to show up? I don't know what will happen if I move out from my girlfriend's house. I don't know what will happen. But isn't that the faith factor where God has to show up? I I really don't know what will happen if I really start going to church every single week. But isn't that when God says, okay, now I'm going to start doing more. I don't really know what will happen if I put a ring on it. I don't really know what will happen if I go back to school. I don't know what will happen if I actually say I'm sorry. But isn't that the God-dependent moment where you say, oh, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, when I walk into those reconciliation meetings before I make that phone call, before I send that text, it's usually then that I humble myself and I pray and I say, God, I need you. And God says, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for a I need you moment. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's a baton pass from Amos to Malachi, from Malachi to John the Baptist. And then one day, John the Baptist, he's calling everybody to repentance. And then one day, Jesus himself shows up. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, actually steps onto the scene. And what does John the Baptist do? He tells all of his followers, I must decrease. He must increase. And all of the disciples of John the Baptist then go follow Jesus. You know what Jesus says? Let me give you a verse from Jesus out of the Gospel of Luke. He says, I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance, right? Luke chapter 5, right? He says, I I, I haven't come to call uh, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you really want to put Jesus to the test, good idea. Say, Jesus, let me give you a quick quiz. Why'd you come? What a question, right? Like, what propelled and moved God himself to come down to earth? Like what was the actual motivation for Jesus himself to put skin on and then be born in a manger and grow up in Nazareth? What good could come out of Nazareth? Jesus came out of Nazareth. Why'd you come? Well, he said, I didn't come to call the righteous people. I came to call sinners to something. What did Jesus call us to? Come on, help me. What did he call us to? Jesus didn't call us to the blessed life. Jesus didn't call us to just skipping in fields of flowers and roses. Jesus called us to a lifestyle of repentance. Church online, Jesus called us to a lifestyle of repentance. And that's my prayer for us. That we wouldn't just have one-off repentance moments. We would have a lifestyle of repentance lives. It would would become a lifestyle. That's why Jesus came. 
If you're like looking for like a word from God today, hey, God, I need you to speak to me. I really need a word. God, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I'm ready to listen. Here I am. Ready? Go. Here's the message. Repent. And here's what's going to happen. God's going to start opening up so much in your life. He is. Now, are you going to have to humble yourself? Yes. Are you going to have to pray? Yes. Isn't that a good thing? Yes. That's going to lead to the God of more. I've met so many people in this year alone that are really struggling with so much anxiety and so much all types of different symptoms of, of stress and pride and fear, all these different components. And, and what I realize is, when's the last time you humbled yourself, prayed, and repented? Three for three. If you do that, you'll experience the God of more. God says, then I'm going to show up. Then I'm going to move. Then you're going to see me do some things that you would have never seen if you just kept going your own way. I'm going my own way. We'll see how it goes until you fall right off the cliff. But if you're graced enough to hear somebody say to you, repent, it just means this. I'm going to go this way. What if nobody else goes? Well, how, how neat would it be to go alone? Like, you're going. If nobody else follows, follow Jesus. Jesus one time looked at Peter and his 12 disciples after all the other disciples had left. Jesus started with a big group. In John chapter 6, they all left. They didn't like the communion message Jesus gave about eating his flesh and stuff like that. It's a little, little interesting there, but um, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, are you guys going to leave too? And I love Peter's response. This is one of the few times he got it right. Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the gift of eternal life. We got eternal minds. We're thinking about eternity. We're going to walk with Jesus. Everybody else left. They continue to follow. We're still talking about Peter today, amen? Right? I want to encourage you to have a lifestyle of repentance. Right? What are they talking about in heaven right now? What are they excited about in heaven right now? About sinners repenting. Right? Luke chapter 5, let me just jump to Luke 15, right? Jesus tells the Pharisees and the sinners, both are sitting there, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And the 99 righteous people that don't need no repentance need repentance over their self-righteousness, right? Jesus says there's joy in heaven when people turn from sin to him. We do people a disservice when we don't talk about sin. The conversation can't always be, you're awesome, you're great, you're important, you're blessed, you're loved, you're so amazing. Did anybody tell you you're so amazing? Sometimes it should be like, God's so amazing, and he loves you enough to tell you to turn from your sin. That, that message hit me in, in college. I did not want to hear it, but it changed my life. Like it changed the direction of my life. 
and God put me on a path that was narrow, but it was right. You only can get to that path through repentance, right? Jesus says there's joy in heaven. I believe there's a big old siren, big alarm siren in heaven. This is just my imagination. And all day long, that thing must just go, right? And everybody, what was that? Somebody repented. This one person was living in pornography, and then they turned the computer off and went to small group. This one person was, was going to do something that was sinful, go kill somebody, was going to slander somebody, was going to gossip about somebody, was going to lie, was going to cheat, was going to hurt, was going to lust, was going to do something that was counter to the gospel. But then they turned from it, and they turned to God. That brings joy to God. That brings joy to heaven. You could be the reason why a party sparks in heaven today. Only you know what you need to repent of. Only you know. And only you'll be able to hear clearly if you ask, God, what do I need to repent of? What does that look like for me? And, and, and don't come up out of prayer until he speaks. Deal? Like until God whispers, this is the thing. Don't come up out of prayer. Let him whisper to you, this is the thing. Like sometimes God won't give you like 10 things because you can't do all 10 yet. He's like, just start with this one, and then that's going to have a ripple effect, and you're going to start winning in life. You're going to start winning in your marriage. You're going to start winning in your relationship. You're going to start winning at work. You're going to start winning with people. Humble, pray, repent. Luke 15 goes up to Luke 24, right? Jesus is consistent. Jesus' closing message before he goes back to heaven says, It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Jesus said this after he rose. He said, remember, it was written about me. I did that. I'm him. He goes, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem you are witness to these things. How about this made it from Jerusalem all the way to Las Vegas? That what's the message we should be proclaiming? Jesus loves you, yes, but don't stop there. Jesus loves you so that you should repent of your sins and experience his forgiveness. You'll be able to experience his love at deeper levels when you turn from sin and turn to him. And how about the gospel teaches us that our Savior, Jesus, right, he lived this perfect sinless life. Jesus never had to repent of anything. And what does Jesus do? He takes all of our sin upon his back. He goes to the cross on Calvary, on Golgotha. He, he takes upon our sins, our past sin, our present sin, our future sin, on his back. He is nailed to a tree. He is dying in our place. He is shedding his blood. Why? So that we would be able to actually repent. I want you to have this imagery in your head. I want you to see us on this side, right? I want you to see God on this side. I want you to see a perfect bridge on this side of Jesus on the cross, Repentance hurts him the most. 
In order to get to God, right, where we turn from sin and we turn to him, we have to step on Jesus. Jesus, I'm sorry, man. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking all my sins so I can get over to him. What, too often what we do is we do this. We, Jesus, sorry, I got to do it again. I got to step on you again. Actually, you know what? I got to go back. And at what point is Jesus, he's saying, hey, look, can you stop stepping on me already? I died for your sins. So you could turn from them and experience more of me. I think that's the message for our country. That's the message for America. Humble, pray, repent. And if it doesn't start with the church, who's it going to start with? You guys think it's going to start in the, the, the Oval Office? You think, you think God's going to skip his house to get to the White House? No way. God's going to start in his house. His house has always been the answer. If the church can get this right, everything else will be affected. God doesn't skip his house to get to the White House. He starts in his house. These, this is his house. We're the body called to live a lifestyle of repentance. I love this quote from R. Kent Hughes. Um, he's a commentator who wrote a beautiful commentary on the Bible, and he wrote on these verses. He said, this message of repentance, turning from self and sin to God and grace, is what the world needs that's probably debatable. We would all probably have different answers. What does the world need right now? I think we need repentance. This is why each time the gospel is preached by the apostles, the one application made in every message is repent. This is the application made. Turning from sin to him. And praise God, we don't turn to God in judgment. We turn to God in grace. We don't turn to God and law, we turn to God and grace. When you experience grace, that's like stepping under a waterfall where our sin gets washed away and we experience that refreshing love of the gospel. The proverb writer knew this, this refreshment. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. I love 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding. I love those verses, but don't get, make sure you get to 7 too. Seven is like, yo, call me. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and say this word with me. And turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh. Refreshment to your bones. Do not, friends, look at me. Everybody look at me. Do not listen to the lie of Satan that says if you actually repent from your sin, it's going to hurt you. It's going to make your life boring. It's going to make your life dull. Believe the words of Scripture. Repentance doesn't lead to hurting your life. It leads to healing your life. Look, it will be healing to your friends. Your flesh needs to be healed. Or is that just me? Like, I stopped giving the devil all the credit. Man, the devil's on. No, it's just me. Like the devil, he, he's, he's probably somewhere else right now. He's not omnipresent, omnipowerful like God, right? Like the devil's probably at some rally turning stuff up or something, somewhere. I don't know where he's at. 
I just know my flesh needs to be healed. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. My bones need to be refreshed. What does that even mean? Like all of a sudden you start turning from sin and all of a sudden your bones feel better. You're like, man, I feel a little younger. I feel a little lighter. I feel like I might dunk again or something. (laughs) Don't hurt yourself. But like you just start to feel different when you turn from sin. Like there's been moments, hear me church, there's been moments where I've been on the verge of sin. Like like it's, it's, it's dangling. And there's been moments where I've said, nope, I'm not gonna do it. And, and soon after, I feel so powerful. Amen? There's been other moments in my life where I've said, all right, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give in, and I feel so defeated. I don't feel refreshed. I don't feel healed. Sin always overpromises and always underdelivers. Jesus stays true to his promises and always delivers. What does it look like for us to repent? I love this quote from D.L. Moody. I'll just give a couple more statements and then we're going to apply this, but The revivalist Moody once said, if God's today be too soon for thy repentance, thy tomorrow may be too late for God's acceptance. Just think sometimes we have this false mentality like, yo, I'm going to do it later. Like, I'm going to start tithing when I get paid later. If you don't do it now, you're not going to do it then. Like, I'm going to. I'm going to get right with God later when I get my life right. Who, you'll never do it. D- do what you know to do. Don't wait. And maybe today what that looks like for you is just getting real with God and saying, all right, God, it's on my heart. I know what you're telling me to do. Your spirit, your truth. You're calling me to make this right. You're calling me to be honest. You're calling me to confess something to him. You're calling me to confess something to somebody else. You're calling me to turn. And God says, and I'm going to meet you right there. It's going to be healing to your flesh. It's going to be refreshment to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes. That's a word, amen? Turn with me to that proverb one more time, if we can put it back on the screen, Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. I know some people aren't listening to me right now. So check this out. Tell it to the person next to you. They might listen to you. Say, hey, friend, be not wise in your own eyes. Come on, do it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Online, family, don't be wise in your own eyes. Your own eyes will deceive you. Your own eyes are not his eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't try to outsmart God. Just listen to God. Humble yourself, pray, repent, and then keep that cycle going. Then go back to humbling yourself, praying and repenting. And tomorrow I'm humbling myself, I'm praying, I'm repenting. Things go off the rails when we stop humbling, we stop praying, we stop repenting. God will do more in our nation. And we unlock these three elements.
I, I close with just a, an illustration that uh, the, the Lord reminded me of earlier. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Blindside. Anybody ever seen that movie? It's a, a movie about uh, Michael Orr who played in the NFL and has this, just this really powerful story of this couple in Mississippi um, who just had a heart for this young man and pulled over on the side of the road as they saw him walking down the street. And the mom, who was driving in her nice, fancy SUV car, had this moment, Christian woman, hit this, this moment hit her where the Holy Spirit said, here's what I want you to do. Roll down your window and share these two words to this young man. Here were the two words. Turn around. Turn around. Maybe that's the word that God spoke to you today. Everything in this young man's life changed when he turned around. He got in the car, he, he got changed. The husband turned the car around, found this young man, and, and set the course of his life. It just was different from that point forward. And that's the word I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Turn around. You might be walking to sin in this specific direction. Disobedience is sin. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Don't wait. Turn from sin. You turn to him. God is present, waiting to do more in your life, to do more in our country's life. Amen? One last reading, 2 Chronicles 7. Let's look at it together. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, Christians, humble themselves, pray, seek the Lord's face, God, your face alone is who I seek, is who David said. Turn from their wicked ways. What type of wickedness was Israel struggling with? The same wickedness we struggle with in America. Idolatry, busyness, sexual sin, making altars out of gold. Our idols look like cars. Our idols look like likes and comments. Our idols look like people. Whatever those things, we could turn from those things. They're not necessarily bad things, but when we make them God things, they become bad things. God doesn't compete. Jesus wins. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, mm, and heal their land. That's my prayer for us and in our, in our nation. Let's pray. Turn around. God, I pray that we would have lifestyle repentance. That's all we want, Lord. We want to have a, a lifestyle of repentance, Jesus. And so right now, God, as we make our chair an altar, the altar was the place in the Old Testament that people and sinners would bring their sin offering to the Lord and present it to Him and be forgiven. Today, we don't need to go to a temple. Today, we don't need to get a goat or a bull to sacrifice. We don't need a lamb. We have the sacrificial lamb. His name is Jesus. 
that we can turn this moment, this warehouse into an altar. We can turn our chair into an altar. We can, we can turn the social distance circle next to us into an altar and go right to God, right at this moment, repent from sin and, and land directly in the presence of God and be healed today. So Lord, give us the grace and the faith to experience your repentance right now. As we sing this response song, I pray that we would repent. And God, give us the obedience and the faith to, to, to make our yes, yes, and our no, no. Anything else is from the enemy. Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. As we sing, as we worship, as we pray, as we humble ourselves and repent, lead us in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a, a moment of response right now. And if you feel led to stand, you can. If you want to just stay seated, what I just prayed for, I pray would be a reality that you would turn your space into a meeting place between you and God. Let's do that now.
Just listen. Listen for the Spirit's soft, still whisper. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit was whispering stuff to me as I asked him that question right there. I just said, Lord, what do I need to repent of? I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. I need to hear from you, God. And he started revealing things. I said, slow down, Lord. I'm excited to turn from those things. God, I'm excited to turn from those things. Be reminded that God is good. That God is a good father. He's a good father, amen? If he tells you not to do something, it's because he he loves you. If he tells you to turn from running in the street like that, trust him. If he tells you not to go in there, don't go in there. If he tells you to let something go, let it go. Yeah, we can sing that. We can sing to him. Thank you. 
Can we call him faithful in all of his ways? close in all of your ways, God. You're close. You're close. I know, I know right now, I know that the Holy Spirit is putting stuff on you right now that's too big for you. God, the big one, God is close. He's close. It is too big for you. It is too much for you in your own strength. It is too much for your flesh. You need God. God, we turn back to you, God. We need you, God. We need more of you, God. We need more of you, God. We need more of the good, good Father. We don't want less of you in our schools. We want more of you in our schools. We don't want less of you in our workplace. We want more of you in the workplace, God. We don't want less of you with our money. We want more of you in our money. God, we want, we want more of God. That's the, that's the prayer of repentance with we want more of God, not less of God. God is not dead. God is alive. He's active. He's moving. God, we want to see more of your movement in our lives. We want to see more of your movement in Las Vegas. This is your city. This is your nation, God. So have your way, God. As we repent, as we turn from old ways, as we turn from sin, as we turn from selfishness, as, as we turn from foul language, as we turn from impure thoughts, as we turn from laziness, God, as we, as we turn from gluttony, God, as we turn from idolatry, as we turn from it all, God, as we turn, come on, as we turn from busyness, God, too often we're just too busy. And God's today saying, you're not, you're not. Change stuff up. Reprioritize your life. Do what you got to do. God, we turn from our sin. We turn to you. Help us to do it, God. From each elementary school student to children to adults to high school teenagers to college students to young adults, young professionals, to senior adults, to midlife crises, God, whatever it may be, Lord, call us to repentance. Call Democrats to repentance. Call Republicans to repentance. Call the middle in between to repentance. Call people of all cultures to repentance. Call all people in this place to repentance, God. Call us back to you, God. I pray we would do it. We love you, God. Thank you for this time of authentic worship and praise. Give us now the ability to live out our prayers step by step and side by side with God.
the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.